Warning, the following audio transmission is based on theory and is intended for entertainment purposes only. It's Doomsday and its affiliates will not be held liable for anything your dumbass does. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome everybody to It's Doomsday Podcast. Today is Sunday, March 13th. Time is 1816. And joining me as always is uh, Al, Big Daddy Prep. What's up, Al? Hey, Jester, I'm doing fine. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. And for the listeners out there, we have a special guest tonight from the Real Conservative Talk Podcast, Michael Key. What is up, Michael Key? What's going on? Not much. Just uh, looking forward to this conversation. I'm glad you guys got it all figured out technically. Technologically, whatever yeah, word yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So guys, last week we didn't put out an episode because we were trying to do this together with Michael Keaton. We just kept having issues and time was running on and I was like, you know what? Screw it. We're just not going to do an episode this week. We'll try again next week. I think we all got right. a little bit burnt out. We were like, well, yeah, whatever. It's fine. Right. Um, but we are going to be getting back into the Russia-Ukraine stuff. Um because there has been there has been a lot of updates uh, since our last episode came out. I, we all know that this is a hot button topic. Um, and one of the reasons we pulled Michael Key in on this is because Michael Key is is very knowledgeable when it comes to this. He's been talking about this on his show a lot. If you're not checking that out, guys, check out the Real Conservative Talk podcast. The biggest thing about this whole Russia Ukraine thing is is folks need to do their research. They need to find out what's going on other than just what the mainstream media feeds them. You know, if you listen to the mainstream media, good Lord, I mean, you'd be giving your whole paycheck to the Ukrainians and you'd just be like uh, throwing darts at Vladimir Putin pictures. But there's more to this. It goes deeper than what they want you to believe. That's the big issue right there to me. I agree. I agree 100%. I'd say also... uh, if you're from the U.S., then you need to have an open mind when viewing the history and trying to learn about why we're in the position that we're in. Right. Um, because if you don't, then your feelings are probably going to get hurt a little bit or you're not going to, uh, you know, you need to be able to think clearly because there's a lot that has led up to this that, the United States is at fault for, and there's no denying it. You know, I, I'm glad that you, Michael, you and I would probably be on the same side of topics because I'm with you. But see, I get bashed on by the older generation because they just believe that you follow their American, you wave your flag, and you go with America. And I'm like, hold on a minute now, hold on, let's pump the brakes on that. And then the younger mm-hmm. generation, younger than me, are like. But we should give everybody safe spaces. And I'm like, hold on a minute. Oh, y'all need to study about history. And history mm-hmm. is repeating itself. And when you try to educate people, nowadays they get mad. But just because I'm not waving the American flag in this thing, and I'm not saying that uh, we should go bomb the hell out of Russia, start World War III, doesn't mean me, make me anti-American. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, and I'd say, you know, both sides um, have not wanted to acknowledge uh, history, and they accuse people like myself of being like a Putin uh, sympathizer, which is not yep. true. All right, that's exactly and, what I get. And I want to say, you know, look, I'm I'm sided with Ukraine on this. I hope Ukraine whoops their ass, but you still cannot deny history. Um. And if you listen to anyone, whether on the right or left, that has spent any time over in Europe, that has covered, uh, you know, the Soviet Union, the fall of the Soviet Union, and then Russia after that, and that whole relationship, 
extensively, they will all tell you the same thing. Whether they're conservative, Democrat, it does not matter. They will all tell you the same thing. And it's the same things that have led uh, into this conflict. And, and we're, you know, we'll go into that. What, what, um, what caused all this. And I know Jester really wants to focus on issues that occurred inside of Ukraine and their own problems as well. So we can cover that too. Both of you are way more knowledgeable on this topic than me. So if you see me just kind of hang back a little bit while you guys are talking, that's why it's because I'm in the dark and I have no idea what you're talking about. Today that there was a, a, a reporter that was killed in Ukraine. That was an American citizen. He had deep ties to here in Arkansas in his career that he came up through and things like that. So we're seeing Americans now that are being portrayed as reporters and things like that, that are, that are being killed in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And my wife approached me about it earlier. And I said, but honey, you understand those people take those jobs knowing that things that come to them, Yeah, you know, it's very dangerous. So you have to take this with a grain of salt. We're not talking about somebody who was there. That was a, that was somebody that was living there. that got killed. We're talking about someone that was there doing their job and we all do dangerous jobs. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes there are collateral damages in these things, but these folks know what they're getting into when they go to these places. Yeah. So. And I think he was the first one to die, but there was uh, the other day there was three or four of them that all got shot. They were in a vehicle, yes, um, and they were ambushed. Just their vehicle was ambushed by Russians. There's a vid- They were videoing this. You can actually find it on YouTube where they were getting shot at and all got shot. Uh, and had to escape out of there so they're not the first one he's not the first one to get shot there was actually another guy with him as well that was uh an american reporter that also got shot along with him too so i you know i'd like to get into a little bit about about the civil war um i know those that that listen to the published shows that also catch the live i've already talked about this i know i've talked to michael key about this i've talked to al about this but i just want to rehash this real quick um the Ukrainian civil war that's been going on over there uh, between the Russian rebels and the Ukraines, I think is something that, that people need to understand. And a little bit of light does need shed on this. And to be, just to kind of put it into perspective for people. So once Ukraine left the U.S., what is it, the USSR? Um, yeah. Once they left Russia, all right, you had people in Ukraine Ukrainian citizens that were fighting back. They had their own civil war going on within the country. So they've been battling at this for a while. And my father-in-law happens to know a gentleman who's in Ukraine that drives truck over there. And he has stated to my father-in-law, before this conflict got started, before we saw the media, all this shit, he's been physically ripped out of his truck by the Ukrainian rebel forces, right, when he's making runs up near the border. Mm-hmm. So they've had an ongoing conflict. So it, it's really funny to me that there's no light that's being shed on that. A lot of people don't know about that. Um, and it seems like the U.S. is just getting involved now and in throwing this up in the media because it, it's a gaslight or there's something to gain from it. Why would you ignore this internal civil war that was going on for years and not help them? And now all of a sudden we want to do something. And not to say that, you know, Russia's any worse than Ukraine or Ukraine's any worse than Russia, but. I mean, if you're the president of Ukraine and you have this internal conflict going on for this many years, wouldn't you be throwing some threats at Russia? And with that kind of leads me into the next thing I wanted to talk about to segue into the biolabs. Michael Key knows a lot about the biolabs. I'd like to segue into that. Hey, preppers, do you want 10% off survival food? Go to www.readywise.com and use code DOOM10 at checkout for 10% off all your survival food needs. Again, that's code DOOM10 at checkout at readywise.com, D-O-O-M-10 for 10% off at readywise.com. To get into the Civil War, we st- you still got to start before that, going back to the fall of the USSR. Because uh, like you said, you know, Ukraine was a part of that, the Soviet Union. And... Reagan and Gorbachev had a very good relationship, right? You hear about uh, trust but ver- trust but verify between them. Uh, they signed the treaty that you know reduced the amount of nuclear weapons each had. You know they made a lot of achievements, and it ultimately led to the fall of the Berlin Wall. And the reason why that's important is because 
so Gorbachev to be okay with them taking down the Berlin Wall and reuniting Germany, he wanted assurance that the United States was not going to push what push any more east towards Russia. Yes. And or really the Soviet Union because they were still around. And this that's I say that because that's important. He wanted assurance that the that NATO was not going to push east towards the Soviet Union. Uh, this was a verbal promise, but there's a reporter, Vladimir Posner, that says actually it is written down in minutes, which for people that don't know what minutes are, it's it's a recording of the conversation uh, that is at George Washington University. He said he found it there. And, you know, we made a promise to Gorbachev that we would not ex- expand East. This was in 91. Yes. Right after. Know. Yes. So Gorbachev, even though he was a communist, he uh, was willing to embrace a democratic way of life and push uh, the Soviet Union towards that road. And the Yeltsin, who was the president of Russia at that time got together with the leader of Belarus and the leader of Ukraine in the middle of the woods. And they signed a handwritten, I believe uh, a treaty basically dissolving the Soviet union. What that did was that undermined Gorbachev and completely eliminated his power. When Clinton was in office on the back half of his term leading into, Oh, let me go back. So in 1992, they wrote the, uh, defense doctrine, which could be uh, the Wolfowitz doctrine, formerly known as the Bush doctrine. And in that doctrine, it says basically that the United States will not allow any other country to challenge its position as the number one superpower in the world again. And we will supply NATO, all of our allies, with all the technology they need. We got it. They don't have to worry about anything, but they just need to be there basically when we need them. So the other option to this, though, that we didn't go with, and this was debated in Congress and in uh, the White House, is we could have actually done something similar to the Marshall Plan back in after World War II, which is when we took about $15 billion and we funded war-ravaged countries in Europe like France, um, the UK a little bit, you know, all those countries that were occupied by Nazi Germany, and the, we rebuilt them. We implemented democracies, and it was also funded to stop the spread of communism because the communist parties were actually very strong in the UK, uh, you know, Holland, Belgium, and France at that time. So we completely eliminated the spread of communism with that as well. They could have done that with Russia after the fall of the Soviet Union, but they chose not to. They kind of chose to go to the route of well, you know, you guys held nuclear weapons over our head for the last 70 years. You guys lost this war, the Cold War. And, you know, you're we're going to treat you like you're inferior to us. We're going to make sure that you realize that you are never on the same level as us again. That got leaked to the New York Times. You can go find these articles. There's actually, you can find the PDF online as well now. Uh, and that was basically the defense doctrine for the 1994 to 1999 fiscal years. So the back half of Clinton's presidency. In 1994, you had the Budapest Memorandum, and I have that printed out here. Uh, And what that was is an agreement between, and this is just summarizing it, the United States, Ukraine, and the Soviet, or not Soviet, between Russia. And that was that Ukraine was going to basically give up their nuclear weapons. And we were going to, us and Russia, recognize them as a sovereign nation. So I still got to go through the Budapest Memorandum, but basically Russia never, I don't think, fully agreed to it. There, you know, so there's a little bit of a gray area there. But they still, in this memorandum, the deal was Ukraine, you give up your nuclear weapons and we recognize you as a sovereign country. Now let's go forward to 2000. Or no, let's go forward to, I think it was 1997, 98. Clinton now decides that he's going to expand NATO to the east and try and include some of these countries that used to be in the Soviet Union. Yeltsin said, you know, brought the promise that was made to Gorbachev about the eastward expansion of NATO up to Clinton. And the Clinton administration told him, 
we didn't promise Russia we wouldn't we would expand east. We promised the Soviet Union that we wouldn't expand east, and therefore the Soviet Soviet Union does not exist anymore. So kind of like a loophole. And what do we what do they do? They continue to expand eastward and capture some of these old Soviet countries. Putin gets in the office in 2000. The very first thing Putin wants to do, and he not only asked uh, European NATO members, but he also asked Bill Clinton himself if he could join NATO. Yes, he he wanted to join NATO. Bill Clinton was kind of like, eh, you know, and didn't give him a straightforward answer. There's kind of a mixed uh, uh, documentation. You can go listen to Putin's interviews about this. And I'm talking about way before any of this happened. It's not like Putin's just coming out saying this now. No, this is like years ago he was saying this. And there's, you know, uh, but yes, Clinton and NATO, he wanted to join them. What they told him was, you have to go through the same process every other country goes through and wait in line. Now, we're talking about the second most powerful, the largest country in the world land-wise, and this, you know, second most powerful military country in the world, even though it's still the fall of, you know, after the Soviet Union crash, and they have the most nuclear warheads. It's a world power. And Putin said, well, why do we need to wait behind these countries that don't matter, these small little countries that don't mean anything? And he wanted to jump the line, which honestly, in my opinion, is understandable. Right. Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't NATO want Russia as a part of NATO? You eliminate the threat of why NATO was even uh, created in the first place. But you just, I mean, now we don't have any problems. We're all allies. Right. And I'll touch on why this probably was uh, later, but instead we chose to say, you know what, Putin, or can we cuss? Jester. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, you, you know, we told Putin basically, you know what? Go fuck yourself. We want Estonia, Latvia, and all these other little countries around you. You're so right, Michael. You're so okay. Right. Why? Well, in my opinion, you have to think about this. We just spent countless dollars the last 70 years combating the Soviet Union in a form of competition, technological competition. You know, all the stuff that we have militarily has been built to fight the Soviets. Um, you know, China at this time is kind of starting to come up, but they're not a they're not a major player yet. And we need we need a Russia. We need a reason to keep spending money on military. We need a reason to we need a threat. It's kind of like uh you know and I know Jess is not a football player but or football guy, but I am. Alabama needs Auburn. They need an LSU, right? Got to have a boogeyman. You get yes. You have to have a competitor. Whether or not you're whooping their ass all the time, or whether or not you're bigger and better than they are, like Alabama is, you still have that that you have that reason because it's that team that can come out and beat you, right? That that it's a threat. Um, and you need to have a reason to be competitive and to keep. Spending all this money because it is a profitable deal, right? You, the whole, the military-industrial complex was actually brought up by President Eisenhower, who was the general during World War II. Those and, exact and, words were fixing to come out of my mouth, Michael. The, uh, that was the exact words were on my tongue when you said that, right? There. Yep. And if you ha- and if you're allies with Russia, then there's no competitor. There's no, you know, there. It's now it's like almost a form of complacency. Is how I think the U- United States viewed this. So that pushes Putin away and pisses him off, obviously. Then he goes and he asks to join the European Union. And they told him basically the same thing. You know, oh, you guys are kind of too big. You know, basically go fuck yourself. Yep. So, you know, you can go back between 2000, 2007. And I don't know, you know, Putin's uh, presidency has been split in two because he was, wasn't president, I think, for a couple of years there. But. Between 2000 and 2007, he didn't do really any uh, foreign, uh, tra- you know, treaties like any policy, foreign policy for Russia. It was all focused on Russia itself and trying to rebuild it. Russia went from being a communist country to a free market society literally overnight. Yep. And so people in in Russia, first of all, that has never ever had a, a democracy in their entire history. In a thousand years, they don't even know what democracy is. 
They didn't know what a free market society was. Went from uh, you know, everything being planned out for them, their lives being controlled every minute of the day to f- fuck, what is this free market? You know, what is this freedom? I can own businesses and, and, it, and it's taken time to figure out. So Russia is not that communist society. Now, there are communists. Putin is probably a communist. He's a Soviet. Okay. He, he wants to get the Soviet Union back together and he stated this, but it's not because he wants to, it to go back to communism because he's acknowledged the fact that, you know, Russia needs to embrace that Western style of life for it to advance. I think he more so wants that Soviet Union back uh, for the uh, land purposes and the, you know what I mean, um, strategic purposes. And over time, the United States and Putin now have been in this battle because NATO has tried to expand East. Georgia. Georgia asked to join NATO. Ukraine has asked to join NATO, and a few other countries have asked to join NATO. Why did Putin go into Georgia? Because we were about to uh, accept that invite for them to join NATO. Right. It's the same reason why he is kind of going into Ukraine. Because Georgia would have been right on the southern border. Now, we do have NATO members, the small countries on the northern end uh, of the west side of Russia that are... In NATO right now, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, like up in there. Right below that, you have Belarus, who is a Russian ally. But Ukraine also has the only warm water port and year-round port that Russia would have access to. Bingo. You know, and they have a, a long border on Russia's western end. So there's a lot of strategic reasons why he would not want them to be a part of NATO. The other thing, Crimea. When they talk about how Russia invaded Crimea under Obama, yeah, they took Crimea back and made it a part of Russia, but 95% of the population in Crimea wanted that. Right. It wasn't an invasion like we're seeing in Ukraine. They, they marched the military down there in case there were any uh, resistance. And most of that, though, was because of a Ukrainian threat. But the Crimeans wanted to be a part of Russia. Right. And it was strategic for them, too. It gave yes. them both sides of the landmass so that they had a waterway to be able to go mm-hmm. through for their warm water port. Because a lot of people don't realize that a major portion of the year, their ports to the north are completely iced in. They exactly. can't service their submarines. They can't service their vessels. Mm-hmm. They can't service their war vessels. They're just they're screwed. And so, trade purposes, and, yeah. Right, and getting Crimea was, it was like a bonus gift. They want you here. We mm-hmm. need this. Uh, why would we not take it? We exactly. would do the same thing. Yep. But the thing that troubles me is, yeah, and, and then Michael, I'm sure you understand, you, I know you understand this, but this is what gets me. The military-industrial complex, the elites that own the major industrial complex that has to do with military across the world, they make money off of war. If there's no boogeyman and we make the left turn to peace instead of the right turn to war, guess what? They don't make money. Mm-hmm. In peace times, they don't. Their profits skyrocket when there's a war. Well, look, we got through fighting a two-decade war that practically we gave everything away. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying the NATO countries didn't assist us, but they did assist us some ways in Afghanistan and Iraq. But we flipped the bill for that. We paid for it in blood and in money. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that was over with, something else had to happen. But the thing is, is Putin said one of the darkest days and some of the darkest days he had in his life was when the Soviet Union collapsed, dissolved, whichever it might be. You know, mm-hmm. him being a former KGB agent, that was the darkest days. He wants to put the Soviet Union back together again, mm-hmm. and he wants to be the lead. But the thing is, is he's he's moved into a territory now that, look, it's, it's economically and financially good for them because it's the breadbasket of Europe. I mean, he, he chose the first place to go into full scale because of what it could give him. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but rare earth minerals, everything else. But he was definitely, he chose his path well. 
He did. And here's the other thing, though. I want you to think about this. This is where people need to be a little bit open-minded. Look, the Soviet Union for the United States was a big threat. Right. You know, so so obviously us here in the U- U.S. are going to look at, well, he's trying to get the Soviet Union back. That could be big problems, which it, it may be. But when Putin says, you know, oh, it was probably one of the darkest days of my life when that happened, you don't understand what happened in Russia afterwards. There were major coup attempts. Yep. After the Soviet Union fell, that he spoke against, and it's no different than the United States. Imagine we have m- major coup attempts, and I'm not talking about that little Jan Six made up shit. Okay, I'm talking about our own military and government officials legitimately turning on our government and trying to overthrow it and change it, right. even whether or not the people agree with it or not. Okay, and that's what was going on in Russia. That's why Putin is saying, you know, that's it was a dark day in, in a time in his life because, you know, he, as someone who worked in the government and in the military realm, he was prideful of the Soviet Union. That's not a bad thing. No. no. You know, it's no, I mean, someone who grew up in that country, you have pride for your country. Yep. You know, communists or not, and I'm look, everyone knows me, like I'm well against communism. Yeah, me too. But you can't fault someone that has grown up in that system that thinks it's the right way, that you know, is just prideful about their country. That's it. That's all that is. No different than we are here. Right. I agree totally, totally. And I mean, you you take a person like Putin. He's got a high drive, okay? He, he saw what happened, where things were at, what happened to him and the country after things dissolved. And for you to want to put something back to right again, you got to have respect for that because he mm-hmm. wants to put it back to right. His right might not be particularly our right, but his right is I got to fix this. And I don't know. You got to have – Americans have got to have an open mind about this. And we, we all know that Ukraine and, and the, the Ukrainian government, they are by no way, shape, or form any angels in this whole thing. So, you know, I hate to see these commercials, these ads, these newspaper articles, these articles on, on TV that just make it like Ukraine, this poor, innocent little state that never did anything wrong, which is attacked by big, bad Russia. That is so far from the truth. That's not even funny. Yeah. And, you know, going back to – Ukraine as well. So we push we push push Putin away from NATO. We push him away from the EU. Okay. Then we start going into Ukraine when they become sovereign and we start throwing funding at some of these labs that used to be Russian labs. We'll get into that in a little bit. Uh we start trying to implement government which the Russians were doing as well. And this is kind of where the tensions start rising in the region. You have President um, Yukashenko, who was, you know, sided with the United States. And I believe his wife actually worked in the either the Bush administration or the Clinton administration. It was one of those. I, I believe it was the Bush administration. I, I do, too. I do, too. I believe it was it, Bush. Yep. And so there were ties there. And then you had, oh, what was the other guy's name? Yelensky? Um uh, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> but he was a he was a Putin guy. So you had Russia and the U.S. basically trying interfering in Ukraine's supposedly democratic systems, trying to get their guy as the leader. Right. All right. This caused a lot of tension and went back and forth. Uh, Yukashenko, who sided with the U.S., got poisoned. In one of the, the elections, he ended up surviving. If you go back and look pictures of his face, it is all fucked up from this poison. I, I just saw it two days ago. His wife was on TV, and yeah, the pictures of yeah, he's, he looks horrible. He looks like a monster compared to what he used to. Yep, and you know, so they accused Putin of that, uh, which I mean, it's probably true, but you know, this was going back and forth. Ultimately, what this led to is in 2014. It led to uh, a revolt on the government and a lot of protest. Those protests turned out to be very violent. Now, there is a great documentary on this. However, it just got deleted uh, either Friday night or Saturday night. 
off of YouTube, which is just crazy to me. It was called Ukraine on Fire. I think you can find it on other platforms. It's done by Oliver Stone. For those of you that don't know who Oliver Stone is, he, a Vietnam veteran, he's the one that directed the movie Platoon. Uh, He he has said, you know, he tries not to be political. He just likes telling the story. So he goes, he, he spent a week or two with Putin himself, got very close to him, interviewed him. Uh, went to Ukraine, interviewed all the leaders of Ukraine, all about this subject and these civil wars. So, Michael, I want to jump in real quick, bud. For the people that are trying to find that documentary, uh, I'm seeing online it's available on Tubi for free, uh, T-U-B-I, and it's also available on Amazon Prime Video for four ninety nine. And Ukraine on Fire, one hour, 35-minute runtime, uh, 2016 documentary, just for anybody out there that's trying to track this down and find it. I think also I heard a rumor that you can see on band.video for free. I don't know if that's true or not. I've not really looked myself, but I don't know. It might be on there, but yeah, I've heard about it. I'm trying to find it myself. Going back to the Civil War, though, what you end up having, just to keep it short, because I can't, I'm not going to be able to explain it near as well as what that documentary will. You got into this, this somewhat proxy war like political proxy war between the u.s and russia and ukraine trying to implement powers and when these protests start happening it actually does a great job of showing how foreign influences will come into a country and ramp up these protests of for political reasons that are big the best example and and it shows you this so there are there were protests that have happened in Iran in the Middle East. There are protests that happened uh, multiple times in Ukraine, and there are protests that happened in uh, what was it Yugoslavia or Serbia, like that whole incident um, back in the nineties. Yes, all of these uh, groups that go into these areas and ramp these protests up. Uh, I'm talking about here in the U.S. with Black Lives Matter. All of them are connected. They all have the same fucking logo to their movement. The, the black fist, right? That's not a Black Lives Matter thing. Go back and look. They all use that. They're all connected. You don't think maybe George Soros might throw a little money in on that, do you? It, it could have been. You know, it, it, there's. I, I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. What I'm saying, though, is that it is well uh, reported on. And Putin has said that, you know, they use tactics. And the U.S. uses the exact same tactics. They go in and they go and they implement people inside of these protests to to kick it off and turn them violent and make it way worse than what it actually was in order to uh you know solve or uh get a political gain out of it and what this ultimately led to because the protests went on for a couple years there in ukraine uh but the maidan square is what the big one that really kicked the, the civil war off and people were dying, and, and then once those protests died out, they either assassinated whoever led that movement, uh, which started it again, or they would bring in someone else with different views and kick another one off. And it created this this huge divisiveness between basically the western part of Ukraine, which was uh, more U.S., uh, related, you know, like more democratic, you know, and stuff like that. And then you have the eastern portion, which is the uh, Donetsk regions and the Luhansk regions that Putin declared uh, uh, independent before he invaded this time. Those were like Russian supported regions. So this civil war kicks off and kills roughly over 20,000 people. So it, this isn't no little deal. Like this is a legitimate war going on inside of Ukraine that has killed a lot of people. And the, the the Ukrainian military was basically fighting what they say are Russian-backed rebels. Uh, it's like an it's basically the best way to say is like Russia was fighting against Ukraine way before this, just not directly. Yep, proxy wars. Yes, it'd be like the citizens of Ukraine right now that are standing up to Putin that are using all the American weapons and that we're sending over there, you know, the $13 billion worth of military aid that we're sending to Ukraine. Those would be U S backed rebels. Right? right. So it's, it's that same concept basically. 
Something uh, I'd like to throw out there real quick, just for the listeners, if you guys want to go back and, and do some research on this, and then I definitely want to get into the bio labs. But when we talk about the conflict over there, everybody is in another war that they're not talking about was the Ukrainian War of Independence um, from 1970 to 1921. So you're talking about 100 years ago. You went, you went 18, 1870 to 1970, 1917. Right? Oh, 17. Okay. I thought you said yeah. 1970. I'm like, you went backwards there. No, 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 no. 19, <laughs> 1970 to 1921. So about a hundred years ago, um, you had the same kind of conflict over there. Um, now, it, let me okay, ask so, you though, Jester, is that, is that not related to the Bolshevik re- revolution in, in uh, Russia? Because that in 1922, when the communist party took over with Lenin, uh, that's, you know, Ukraine was, was a part of, a part of that and, and that's when the soviet union came about in 1917 was also the start of the russian revolution basically when uh czar nicholas you know they were fighting world war one and the russians were like fuck this where they left the front lines and world war one came back and and revolted against the czar and took him out of power and that's the bolshevik revolution and how lenin came into power and the communists rose in russia Right. So th- this was later, they were later absorbed by the Soviet Union. And, but at the time they were known as the Ukraine, Ukrainian uh, Soviet Socialist Republic, I believe is okay. what they were, um, I mm-hmm. think. But anyway, I just, I just wanted to throw that out there, guys, that there's been constant conflict. So when you're seeing things being thrown out there in the media, I go back and just think to myself, it's a gaslight situation. It's not new, the conflict in this part of the world. It's, it's not a new thing. It's, it's been ongoing for over a hundred years, it, it's not going to stop. And why are we getting so involved now? There's got to be a deeper reason. But let's let's get into these bio labs. That's something I, I do feel that we need to we need to cover. So, with the bio labs, uh, you have the what was it called in 2005? Obama and Senator Luger's last name. Go over to, I actually have, hell, I have it printed out right here. It's the weapons proliferation uh, of Ukraine in 2005. It's agreement between the United States and Ukraine, basically saying that they were going to, uh, and there's, rumor is that these are Russian labs, and they probably are from the Soviet Union, but they're bio labs that the United States is going to come in, they're going to help fund uh cleaning these up and some people say that we're supposed to de- supposed to destroy these weapons and it, it says nothing in the agreement about actually destroying them but what it is is and i have it so you have article one it says in order to assist ukraine in preventing the proliferation of technology pathogens and expertise that are located at the scientific research institute of epidemiology and hygiene in Lviv, the Ukrainian Scientific Research Anti-Plague Institute in Odessa, the Central Sanitary Epidemiological Station in Kiev, and other facilities in Ukraine identified by the Ministry of Health of Ukraine, and that could be used in the development of biological weapons, the U.S. Department of Defense shall provide assistance to the Ministry of Health of Ukraine at no cost, subject to... The availability of funds appropriated for this purpose in accordance with the terms of this agreement. And it says the uh, Ministry of Health of Ukraine shall use all material, training of personnel and services provided in accordance with this agreement exclusively for the purpose of preventing the proliferation of technology, pathogens, and expertise that are located in facilities in Ukraine that could be used in the development of biological weapons. So basically, they, we were going to help them uh, eliminate the risk of having these facilities in Ukraine. It says that the agreement and all activities undertaken in accordance with this agreement shall be subject to the provisions of the um, umbrella agreement in the event of any discrepancies between the agreement and the umbrella agreement the provisions and of the umbrella agreement shall prevail. It says um, the Ministry of Health of Ukraine shall provide to the U.S. Department of Defense a list of facilities in Ukraine that may receive assistance under the agreement establishing the Ministry of Health of Ukraine's order of priority for such assistance. Now, there's another 
uh, section I want to read here because it really uh, opens your eyes about it. It says, the total cost of the to the U.S. Department of Defense of all material training and services provided pursuant to this agreement and associated expenses shall be $15 million. Assistance provided by the U.S. Department of Defense to the ministry uh, the Health Ministry of Ukraine may include, but not limited to, cooperative biological research, biological threat agent detection and response, and assistance for improving biological material protection, control, and accountability in order to reduce risk of theft or unauthorized use of dangerous pathogens located at the facilities in Ukraine referred to in Article 1, Paragraph 1. Pursuant to the terms... Of this agreement, the U.S. Department of Defense may, at its discretion, provide the Ministry of Health of Ukraine with other types of assistance subject to the written agreement of the parties. Um, basically, we're going to go into Ukraine and provide them with the help to not only study this stuff, but just keep it under control. We didn't really stick to that. No. <laughs> Not like not to all. say the least, no, but no. I'm looking for, where's it at here? Um, it's sort of like when you get your foot in the door and then you just keep going on in, you know, that's kind of like this is was with us. <laughs> yep. All right. I think honestly, and I know, you know, I don't, it's, I think it's important to read the whole thing. It's not very long, but it gives people an eye opening. I don't know if you want me to keep going, but it does have a lot of stuff in here that makes you sort of question. I have some other information too, that actually puts this, puzzle together there's all kind of documentation out there in the world and michael and me and other people see this we pull it up we read it but the world needs to hear this because people don't do anything about these things so they know about them mm -hmm. and they don't actively put these things out there for people to just go search oh by the way john let me tell you what we're doing with biological weapons over in ukraine right now five years ago okay that's that's not what happens so until these things come to the front to where people hear them and know what's going on, they're not going to do anything. Americans are very stick your head in the sand and we don't know what's happening. Hey preppers, do you want 10% off survival food? Go to www.readywise.com and use code DOOM10 at checkout for 10% off all your survival food needs. Again, that's code DOOM10 at checkout at readywise.com D-O-O-M-10 for 10% off at readywise.com. The Ministry of De Health of Ukraine or its designated agent shall consolidate and store all dangerous pathogens at secure centralized laboratories designated in writing by parties that have received or are receiving the U.S. Department of Defense assistance under this agreement. The U.S. Department of Defense may provide... Molecular diagnostics capabilities, improved electronic communications and equipment for the safe and timely transport of field pathogen samples to the centralized laboratories. So these dangerous diseases or pathogens exist and they are storing them at these facilities. It says in order to support the joint efforts of the parties to prevent the proliferation of dangerous pathogens and related expertise to minimize potential Biological threats, the Ministry of Health of Ukraine shall transfer to the U.S. Department of Defense requested copies of dangerous pathogen strains collected in Ukraine for cooperative biological research in the centralized laboratories in Ukraine and in U.S. Department of Defense designated laboratories in the United States for prophylactic, protective, or other peaceful purposes. Details of such cooperation shall be defined in annual joint requirements and implementation plans developed in accordance with paragraph 7, article, uh, I believe, 4 of this agreement or in an implementing arrangement. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, implementing arrangement in accordance with article 4 of this agreement. The Ministry of Health of Ukraine shall share with the U.S. Department of Defense. Data generated by the infectious disease surveillance networks of the Ministry of Health of Ukraine or its designated agents in order for parties to better detect, diagnose, and monitor disease outbreaks in Ukraine. Uh, dangerous pathogens placed in centralized laboratories shall remain in those laboratories for the duration of the umbrella agreement 
the Ministry of Health of Ukraine shall immediately notify the U.S. Department of Defense in writing about temporary removal of dangerous pathogens from centralized laboratories due to emergency situations. That Ministry of Health of Ukraine shall return all pathogens removed from a centralized laboratory to that centralized laboratory or another centralized laboratory as soon as possible. And basically what this is getting at is Ukraine is still carrying out this research. And I was thinking about this earlier. What is gain-of-function research? It's when they are altering that that virus or whatever it is to be stronger because they need to study how it can develop and how we can to combat something that doesn't exist. You have to create that thing that doesn't exist. Right. Right. You don't, otherwise you don't know how to fight it. So you can make the argument that gain of function research is needed, but at the, on the other side of that, let's take COVID for example. If that was manipulated in a lab and it leaked, well, then COVID was man-made. It didn't even exist. Why were we worried about that being created in the first place? Right. So it's in these labs, it almost sounds like we're trying to fight a problem, but the only problems we're, we're fighting are the problems that we create ourselves that we just don't have to, I mean, you know, wouldn't even exist if we just didn't create it in the first place. They're allowing Ukraine to still hold this research. The difference is that we're paying, we paid them $15 million and you better let us know everything that goes on with that research. Yeah, because they knew they couldn't do it here. They could yes. do it there and get away with it. And you're also making something to make a res resolution and a cure for something that didn't occur in nature anyway. So mm -hmm. this is something you wanted to release on someone else. But yeah, I agree with you. I and agree with you. and um, by the way, all the so this agreement right here is not classified. However, all the information that goes back and forth between the, the Department of Health of Ukraine and the U.S. Department of Defense is highly classified, and it states that in this agreement, and must not be disclosed to the public. I want you to to take this into consideration as well. Why, if you are trying to eliminate this stuff and keep it safe, why does this research have to be classified at that point? Because anything classified is classified for a reason, which means you don't want people to fucking know what you're doing. Right. And, you you know, these are the things you got to piece together. And this is every... I'm not making anything up. This is all written... And Jester knows this when I do my show and I throw out statistics, right? I, I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all. And uh, I, I try to get my statistics from the government. Does the government lie? 100% they lie. But right. if you get it, your data from the government, at least you can call them out if it's not right. right. <laughs> you know? So the other thing I found on this, uh, I have, and I can email this. You guys can put in a link for people to uh, go check out too. There is the Sciences Engineering, or sorry, the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine. They wrote a book. And the book is called Biosecurity Challenges of the Global Expansion of High Containment Biological Laboratories. And in there, it talks about the labs that are in Ukraine and what they're being used for. I also gained access to look at all the government contracts, all of them, uh, you know that are being put out now trying to be filled and, and past inactive ones and i found a couple that the department of defense and the department of threat reduction which is a i believe a branch of the department of defense put out and one of them was a 3.6 million dollar contract to uh hire someone to go and actually work in these facilities in ukraine and that was in 2021 Last year, in, uh, I think it was July 28th was when that contract date was. Now, it's an inactive contract. I don't know if that's because they found someone to go work there or they ended up canceling. But the fact that the government had the intent to pay someone and is paying for people in, to go and oversee these facilities, especially with the lead up into uh, this invasion, is a little bit sketchy. 
this stuff does exist. I was skeptical at first, but these labs exist and we are doing this research. So with the Russian propaganda that is being put out, take away the grain of salt, but there, there may be some basis to it. I agree with you totally. Totally. So, all right, we're going we're gonna to go ahead and we're going to wrap up. So, listeners, I want you to come back. We're going to come back next week with a part two to this episode because there is clearly more. Um, there's clearly more information that needs to get out there. Michael's like a Encyclopedia Britannica of this information. <laughs> well, um, anyway, so, uh, Michael, before we get out of here, we're, I want you to plug your show. Tell people where they can find you at. Yeah, so it's a, a real conservative talk. You find me on Podbean. You can find me on YouTube. Uh, I'm trying to grow that channel now. It's uh, just, again, real conservative talk. You you look it up on YouTube, you'll find it. It's a picture of me. Uh, and then I'm on Facebook as well. But as far as just listening to the podcast, uh, you know, Apple, Google Podcasts, Podbean, you know, we're all available on all that too. So, yeah, come check it out. All right, and then uh, just an FYI for the listeners, we did get a new email, so if you're trying to email us, the email is now it's doomsdaypodcast at gmail.com. That is our new email. You could find me and Al both on social media. You could find us on TikTok. Uh, you could find Al on there at big underscore daddy underscore prep and on Clapper at the same name. And you could find me on TikTok at it's doomsday podcast uh, 2.0. Um, and if you guys are trying to catch the lives, Al does a daily live show over here on Podbean. So definitely check that out. Al, you want to take us out of here? You got anything else you want to add? I just want to tell everybody, do your research, folks. Don't just listen to have blinders on. Listen, do your research, and don't listen just to the mainstream media. You can see today there are more things to be listening to than just what they tell you. Absolutely, 100% agree. is an emergency action message. At approximately 1 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Nora is tracking 15 ICBM nuclear missiles inbound to the following cities. Orlando, Miami, Pittsburgh, Dover, Newark, Richland, Philadelphia, New York City, Baltimore, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, Boston, Seattle, Detroit. This is an extremely deadly situation. Stay tuned, the next emergency message will be a presidential address. Ah!